0: Thank you for being here. I really, really appreciate that. Here's what I'm gonna talk to you about tonight. Tonight I'm starting a new series. It's in the book of Galatians. And it's how to have victory over sin, over problems, and over difficulties. You would have a hard task attempting to convince me that you don't have challenges, you don't have problems, or you don't have difficulties. All of us do, but What we're not supposed to have are addictions, addicted to anything, because we're supposed to be addicted to the love of God, not to other things that are destroying our bodies. So I don't need to name what they are. You're familiar with that. However, I want you to catch these phrases. Satan will use pleasure as the vehicle to drive you into hell. You won't even know you're going to hell because you're enjoying yourself so much. But when you're addicted to something, what happens is after your actions, which involve your addiction are done, you're left feeling guilt, feeling shame, feeling embarrassment. What did I do? What did I say? Oh God. And you don't know how to break that cycle because you're attracted to something that is actually destroying your body. I'm not going to get into, well, is it right to drink? Is it wrong to drink? And all this kind of stuff. That's not my, my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job for you. Because people think that we're going to come up here and condemn you. But I don't believe in condemnation. Jesus doesn't condemn. Cathedral doesn't condemn. And I'm not going to condemn. Because nobody wants to be condemned. No one. But I want my people to have freedom. So I really need you to focus in on this book of Galatians chapter one, beginning in verse three through five, and let's break it down and see what God says because I'm gonna show you from the word of God what God says about us being free. And I'm going to explain to you fact, facts, factors of salvation. There's three factors involved in salvation. One is justification. It's just as if I'd never sinned you're justified god cleanses you from the penalty of sin that's when you are justified when you accepted him he cleansed you from sin the penalty so you're no longer held guilty in god's eyes as a sinner come on give him a hand of praise and that begins when you give your life over to jesus christ the second part of salvation is sanctification i'll be explaining this Sanctification after you get saved begins immediately and it lasts until you die. So we're never sanctified, we're being sanctified. Okay, so I'm justified, I'm being sanctified, set apart from that which is profane, set apart to that which is holy. Jesus said, I called you out of darkness into my marvelous light. And then the third part of salvation is glorification. So when we're saved from the presence of sin, so the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. So when we die or when we get raptured, everyone gets a brand new body. Give God a hand of praise for that. Come on. So, no, you didn't hear me. Everyone gets a brand new body. There's no Pelotron in heaven. You don't have to ride that to get a brand new body. So he will save you from the presence of sin. So if I get to heaven, am I going to sin and be kicked out? No. God is going to save us from the presence of sin. So sin cannot exist in heaven. And you're asking me then, what does this have to do with addictions? Well, let me see if I can explain it to you. So rescue me from this present evil age, Galatians 1, 3 through 5. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Galatians And go to chapter one. And it says, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. The Lord has provided a power for us which enables us to fulfill all the requirements of what it is to be a Christian. You and I cannot be a Christian in our own power. So whenever you'll see in the Bible, God asks you to do anything, he equips you to do it. He gives you everything you need to do what he asks you to do. He has called us to be victorious in the Christian walk, and he has called us to walk in the spirit. And the power which enables us to accomplish all of this is called grace. Someone say grace. Grace. When we depend upon the grace of God, we are filled with overwhelming peace. Someone say peace. Peace. Grace is the fountain. Peace is the river that flows into your heart and overwhelms you. You cannot make it without the grace of God. You cannot, you should not live without the peace of God. But yet I've been made aware as people talk to me that so many of us don't have God's peace. We got justified, but we are never growing in sanctification. We're not becoming stronger in Christ, we're addicted. So beginning in the very first verse, we are attracted to a fact upon which Christianity stands. It is known as the resurrection. Herein lies the victory for the child of God. Jesus Christ defeated death. He defeated hell and he defeated the grave. When you accept him, you're not going to stay dead. He conquered death. He got the keys of death from Satan, so death has no power over you. Give God a hand of praise. You've been delivered. And then he conquered hell. We are not going to go to hell and stay there for three months and then go to heaven. We're going to pass hell. We're going to pass hell. Okay, thank you for that. For the five of you that clap, the rest of you wake up, please. We're gonna pass hell, okay? We're not going to hell. God's, oh, you better watch out, you better, we're not going to hell. Jesus conquered hell. And then Jesus conquered the grave. And Satan had us afraid that when we died, that we'd never make it to heaven because God couldn't help us. But Jesus rose from the dead, and so his children are not going to stay dead. Come on, church. Not going to stay dead. And that's the victory for the child of God. That was the last enemy that had to be defeated. So prior to this one powerful act of God, Satan, our enemy, caused us to live in fear of the fact that we were hopeless beyond the grave. We felt that we were doomed to a life of eternal separation from the God that loved us. You feel, and he makes you feel that because you're addicted to whatever, God has turned his back on you. That is the biggest lie. Just because we're addicted, God didn't go, okay, forget it. They don't want me, they want that more. That's a lie. But Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. He walked out of the tomb alive life forevermore, and he conquered the last enemy, which is death so sin the wages of sin is death god conquered death he conquered sin and god's children are not going to be bound to sin or bound to death we are born again and alive unto god forever and ever come on and this one incident is so important for us for upon this one act the sonship of christ is established i'll explain that This is the one event, the resurrection, that authenticates my right to even be called a Christian. It's because my God rose from the dead. There is no other, I don't know, I don't wanna call him a deity because there's no other God but Jesus Christ. But there is no other religion that their leader rose from the dead. Only Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Allah did not rise from, he's still in the grave. Buddha didn't rise from the dead. Muhammad didn't rise from the dead. Only Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that's the benefit, come on, for the Christian. So, when you want to give up on your marriage, you want to give up on yourself, you want to give up on this world, you want to give up on things like that, you don't have to because Jesus rose from the dead. That's where our power is at. And this is the authority. The one event, again, that authenticates my right to even be called a Christian. It says, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. But by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. This is only one of the verses that proves the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what does that mean for me as a believer? Put your seatbelts on, tighten them, and get ready. Because I am going to bring you some truth. And at the end of service, I am going to have an altar call so you don't have to be embarrassed if you're addicted to anything because I don't want you addicted to anything. I want you free. Christians are supposed to be free. We're not supposed to live in doubt and fear and shame or or, um, addictions and embarrassed because we're this or that. That's the old you. That's not the new you. Here we go. What can I claim as a benefit from this act of God. We're talking about the resurrection. Say resurrection. Resurrection. So you know, well, what are we talking about here? We're talking about the resurrection. What can I claim by this one act of God? So what can you claim? Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world According to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. God told Jesus to deliver you and I from this present evil world. To get us out of here. This is not our home. This is not where he wants us to stay. If you think I'm talking about San Jose, you're way out of here. Just come back to earth with me. This present evil world. You know what this world is like. It's not like you don't have an idea. You know people are angry. You know people are murdering. You know people are stealing. You know what this world is like. Well, God wants to deliver his children from this present evil world. Romans chapter six, verse eight through 14, it says, now, let's understand this. If we died with Christ, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, yet it is not I Who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has a mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. God wants you to die to your addiction. God wants you to come alive to God. I love it. So instead of feeling guilty, oh, I ain't gonna go up there. He's gonna know I'm addicted. I don't care if you're addicted. I was addicted. God wants us free. He wants us dead to that. Now I'm gonna explain this. It's very simple. You can go to Oak Hill and talk to anyone, but they don't. They're dead. Do you understand that? I guess not. I'll try this side. You can go to Oak Hill and talk to anyone in the grave, but they're dead. They don't hear you. Do you understand that? Okay. Dead people are dead. They don't have any feelings. You can poke them, you can talk to them, you can pour cold water on them. They don't respond. So, what does it mean when God says, I want you to be dead to sin? So when sin tries to get, uh, attract us, we're not attracted to it because we're dead to sin. We're alive to God. So sin has no power over us. But you won't understand that, that sin has no power over you if you don't understand your power lies in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So the Bible says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin. Don't do it. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey it. Don't offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. But pastor, what if I do this and then I go back to what I was doing before? It's okay. You rise up like if you rose from the dead, you ask God for forgiveness and you start living again. You don't stay condemned, no hope for me, I blew it. Who hasn't blown it? Who do you know that hasn't blown it? All of us have. But you get back up, and you turn your back on that. Don't stay defeated because Satan put too much pressure on you. The music was gone. Everybody's popping them open, giving it to you, and you fall again. Get over it. Don't condemn yourself. Get back to reading the Word of God. Get back to coming to church. Get back to praying and listening to Christian music. Just get up. Just get up. So now here's what I want you to understand. The next thing is relationship and fellowship. Say that with me. One more time. We are alive to God in unbroken fellowship. That is different from the relationship. The relationship is God's responsibility. The fellowship is our responsibility. Mm. I better try it again. We are alive to God in unbroken fellowship. It's always going to be there. That is different from the relationship. The relationship is God's responsibility, the fellowship is our responsibility. So, what that means is this So, when I sin, do I lose my relationship with Jesus Christ? No. He's still your heavenly Father. He's still your Savior. He's still your God. It doesn't matter how much you sin. You cannot stop that relationship. He came looking for you. Didn't you hear Pastor Jeremy sing that? He came looking for you. You didn't go looking for him. So you can't change your relationship. Why aren't you coming at your? Well, man, I'm addicted, bro. I, I, I just can't serve God. The relationship is always there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He'll never turn his back on you. So, no more pity parties. No more, man, I just can't live as a Christian. Yes, you can. You're not responsible for the relationship. God is. You're responsible for the fellowship. Spending time with God. Reading his word. Talking to him. Praying with him. Being with other Christians so you don't lose a relationship i know you're still a christian i know you're still a born again believer i know your name is written in the lamb's book of life but you may not have fellowship with god it's like we never got divorced so we're still married you just don't want anything to do with me but as far as the courts are concerned and the law we're still married so you can't say well no you're not my husband Well, we never got divorced, or you're not my wife. We just don't spend time together. We just don't have that fellowship. I am responsible to walk in obedience to Christ so I can stay in close communion with him. But how do I do this? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available for you. What is this power called? It's called grace. And when you have it, you will have peace in your life. You need the grace of God. You can't make it without the grace of God. Quit trying to be a super Christian. You're not. Neither am I. I haven't arrived. Yeah, but you've been a Christian a lot longer than I have. That's because I'm older. That's the only reason. (laughs) But I'm no closer to God right now than any of you are. We are equal in Christ. So when I get to heaven, they're not going to say, Pastor Mike, come forward. The rest of you go in the back and wait. That is not going to happen. We're all going in together. We're all going to be in the presence of God together. We're all going to serve God together. So there's no evangelist, no pastor, no bishop, no pope, none of them that are going to be any closer to God than you are right now. We all cling to the cross of Jesus, and we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. All right, so now we ask this question. How does grace work in the life of the believer? Grace came not only to denote mercy towards the undeserving, but to include all the blessings bestowed by God, while peace came to signify the sum of all the spiritual blessings enjoyed by man. Grace is the fountain. Peace is the river that flows deep and calm through each of your souls. Peace. How will I know that I'm not going to be punished for all my addictions? The peace of God will rest upon you. When you have the peace of God, you frustrate unbelievers who don't care about Christians because they want what you have. They want peace. Everyone in this world wants peace. They're looking for it, like looking for love in all the wrong places, but only the Christian. You can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. When I pray for people, I put a blessing of peace on them. And Jesus said, peace, I give you. Peace, I leave you. Not the type of peace the world gives. Give I unto you. In the name of Jesus, receive you that peace that passes all understanding. Give God a hand of prayer. And as children of God, we need both to be sustained on a daily basis. We need the grace of God, which enables us, gives us the power to live as a child of God, and we need the peace of God, which enables us to realize he hasn't turned his back on me. He will forgive me every single time. Somebody says, you need to pray for me. I go, why? The devil's on my back. I go, why did he single you out of everybody in the whole world? The devil's not on your back. Well, I can't come to church, why not? I committed such a serious sin, so you're telling me God can't forgive you? Where'd you hear that? You cannot commit a sin so bad that God can't reach you. God can reach you wherever you're at. You better give him a hand of praise tonight, church. God can reach you. If he says that I'll never leave you and I won't forsake you. Even while you're not living for God, He's still there protecting you. How many realize, or maybe you don't realize, that you should have been dead a long time ago? See, you know what I'm talking about. You really should have died a long time ago. So, why has God kept you alive? Because He put His Son inside of you by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. So God is not going to turn his back on you. So don't, after tonight, don't let me see you all defeated. What's wrong? God doesn't want anything to do with me. I'll beat you myself (laughs) because that's a lie. God loves you. There's nothing you can do. There's no movie you can see. There's no drug you can take. There's no alcohol you can drink. There's no sexual act you can perform where God's going to turn his back on you. The relationship is up to God, the fellowship is up to us. We need to stay in close communion and fellowship with God. But, go ahead. You can't lose the relationship. How many are hearing me tonight? You cannot lose the relationship. When I taught this in 2005, when I had the singles, one of my leaders back then said, I got a question for you. I go, what is it? He said, I know a woman, all of us knew her. She was a Christian. She served in the church. She did everything for the church and for God. This woman served God. I go, okay. Well, she became a witch. Uh-huh. And she lives in Gilroy. She's still in witchcraft. And he said to me, and he pointed his finger at me, so you're telling me right now that because she was once saved that that woman is going to be into heaven? She will be in heaven? And all the singles turned from listening to him, and they looked at me for the answer. So what are you going to say? And I said, well, I've got a question to ask you. What makes you think you deserve to get into heaven? He got quiet, and everybody in the class turned and looked at him. And then I said, I'm going to tell you one more thing. I don't deserve to get into heaven, but if I'm let in, do you think I have a problem that a witch is in there and God let her in? If he let her in, she's my sister in Christ. I don't have a problem with her, church. I don't have a problem with it. I'm glad I'm there. If God wants to let her in, what if she said, what's that pastor doing here? You think I'm going to say, why are they here? Why is he here? Why is she here? I'm not going to do that. I'm just glad, whoo, I made it. <laughs> Come on, give God a hand of to praise tonight. <laughs> so was, you're worried about, so you're telling me she did this, and so God turned his back on her. God will not turn his back on you. I'll say it again. God is responsible for the relationship, you and the Father. You are responsible for the fellowship, going after God, spending time with him. If you understand me, can you say, I understand you, Pastor. God loves you so much, and he did all of this for you right now. Say, right now, right now? Yes, right now. He did it for you. Galatians 1.3, which is our key verse for tonight, says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, God is called our Father. My Father. And Jesus is called Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah... There's a verse of scripture where God says, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory will I not give to another. In Acts 2.36, it says, this same Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. Lord is the name of the Father, Jesus is the name of the Son, Christ is the name of the Holy Spirit. It's three gods in one, but Jesus is called Lord Jesus Christ. That in verse 3, after the fact of his resurrection is mentioned, Jesus is called Lord Jesus Christ. And after the fact of his death on the cross for our sins, God is called our Father. You know, I have a grandson. He's going to be six years old. He's just went from transitional kindergarten into kindergarten. And I might have told you this already, but we're in the car, and he goes, Grandpa? And I go, yeah. And he says, I got your back. <laughs> I smiled. I go, you got my back? He goes, yeah, Grandpa, I got your back. And I go, well, I got your back. He goes, I know, Grandpa. And then I look at him, I go, do you even know what that means, I got your back? And he touches me on the back. He goes, yeah, Grandpa, you're back. <laughs> That's what he understands. He doesn't know that it means i'm going to be there for you all the time he heard the statement but god calls himself your father maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your dad but this father he wrote your name in the book of life he sent his son he sent his son to die on the cross for you he rose him from the dead And he is sending his son to come back to get you. And he gives you his Holy Spirit to give you strength. And he gives you his grace and he gives you his peace. This father will not turn his back on you. There's nothing you can do to make this God turn his back on you. He will not. God is responsible for the relationship. You are responsible for the fellowship. So God will never leave you. Give him a hand to pray. And here's the next point. Justification by faith. Now, I mentioned this earlier. There's three parts of salvation. The first is justification. When you come and ask God for forgiveness for your sins, and I ask you to come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior, you become Justified. You become justified means you become righteous. Even though we're still here and we still sin, God sees us as already there. Ephesians tells us that we're already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. God doesn't see past, present, and future. God sees in the now. So if God the Father calls himself your father and he claims you to be justified, He sees you as not having sin. He just wants you to start seeing yourself that way. But if you're carrying guilt and the devil's beating you up with your guilt, you gotta let that go. You have to start to accept God's grace that God does love you. So Jesus gave himself for your sins. This is the doctrine of justification by faith. Faith in what Jesus has done for us Faith in God who loved us enough to send his son to die in our place when we least deserved it. Faith in the mercy of God as that as often as I appeal to the cross of Jesus, I will be forgiven for all my sins, past, present, and future, even the sins that you haven't committed yet. We cannot add anything to the death and resurrection of Christ. Nothing need be added. His redeeming work is complete, We do not add anything to what Christ has done for us. I don't deserve to be forgiven. Say that. No, I said all of you. So if you're just being cool tonight, go be cool somewhere else. Because Satan doesn't want you to say this. Repeat after your pastor. I I don't deserve to be forgiven. I could not do anything to receive forgiveness. I cannot do anything to keep forgiveness, but God gives it based on what Jesus did for me on the cross. (laughs) But God gives it based on what Jesus did for me on the cross so god is not giving you this grace because you're becoming good enough god has given you this grace and forgiveness because of what jesus did on the cross for you Do you understand that that's, that's for all of us that's the gospel only what jesus did jesus gets all the glory and if you are good It's only because God is making you good, but you can't be good enough to impress God. You can't be holy enough to impress God. The Holy Spirit is the one that's holy. We're not. We're the ones that are forgiven. So I don't deserve this forgiveness, but God gives it to you. So if you say to me, and I catch you crying, what's wrong? Well, I don't deserve to be forgiven. I go, I know that. When did you find out? None of us deserve forgiveness. How can you be good enough when Jesus died on the cross for you? How are you going to try and ignore that and still be good enough? You can't. You can't. You need God's grace. But the second thing is sanctification by faith. Say that with me. Say it again. There it is. Sanctification by faith. Okay, we talked about justification. Just as if I never sinned. Now we talk about sanctification. Justification delivered us from the penalty of sin. My sins are forgiven, so I'm not worthy of death anymore. The penalty was death. Sanctification delivers us from the power of sin. God's ultimate purpose was not just to deliver us from sin's penalty, but from sin's power. God the Father sent Jesus the Son to deliver us from this present evil world. What do we need to understand? We need to recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For too long, all we have recognized is the power of sin over us. Pastor, I just can't stop doing what I'm doing because that's all you recognize. Establish it in your brain. Sin's dominion over you has been broken. Sin has no power over you. Sin has no authority over you. Establish it in your brain. Verify it in your spirit and demonstrate it in your body. You have been set free from the power of sin. Give God a hand of praise. I don't think you understand me, church. Sin doesn't have any authority over you. You don't have to do that. The power of sin has been broken in your life. Sin has no dominion over you. You are not in bondage. Give God a hand of praise. You gotta see that. It's like once you're healed and they deliver you from, or release you from the hospital, I thought you were released. Well, I don't think I'm healed yet. I'm not leaving. You no longer have to be in jail. You no longer have to be in the hospital. God has set you free. I said, establish it. Establish it in your brain. Demonstrate it through your body. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to. But you don't know what I've been through. Who hasn't been through something rough? You don't know where I came from. God does. And he has written your name in his book. He will come back for you at the rapture. He's not going to leave you in the grave. And Satan has no authority over you, but... Satan doesn't want you to know these truths because he wants to keep you addicted and full of guilt and handcuffed so that you don't have any joy and you don't feel like God loves you. I'm telling you, church, God does love you very much. Satan is a liar, and Satan hates you. You can break the addictions in your life. You can. You do it by faith in what God did for you. It has no power over you. You have been set free to serve the living God and to receive the grace of God. That's sanctification. I said that it begins immediately, but it's an ongoing process. You keep being sanctified, set apart, for holiness you keep improving you keep getting stronger and stronger in this room right now there are different levels of maturity some people have been sanctified a long time some just started but it doesn't matter we're all sanctified by the grace of God God is not going to leave you addicted to anything Don't want that. Here, here you go. Hey, don't pour it out. That costs money. Don't give it to me, man. What happened to you? You used to be so angry. God took it away. Man, you were the biggest dealer in San Jose. God took it away. Where'd it go? It's just not mine anymore. I went and asked everyone that I had offended for forgiveness because of the shame I had. I couldn't look at anyone in the eye, but I did it with the grace of God, and now I have peace. And now I have so much confidence, I can look anyone in the eye because I don't have any fear because I know I am a child of God. I know that my people are battling with addictions. I don't want you to have shame or embarrassment. I just want you to come up here right now to the altar and give God those addictions, come on. There needn't be any shame. There needn't be any guilt. There need not be any embarrassment. There needn't be any fear. There needn't be any sorrow. There needn't be any shame. God has taken all of that away. You have been set free. You have been set free from the penalty of sin. You're not going to be punished, and you have been, are being set free from the power of sin. Each and every single day, as you read the Word, and as you pray, and as you have fellowship with other Christians, and as you come to church, More and more, the power of sin is being broken in your life. I am proud to be called your pastor. I don't see you as drug addicted, alcoholics, suicide, um, casualties, or people who want to die. I don't see you that way because God doesn't see you that way. God wants you to be loved. Every single one of you, men and women, you are to be loved by your pastors, by your sisters, by your brothers in the church. We are to love each other. So I don't need to know what your addictions are. God already knows. Just tell him tonight, I'm leaving it here at the altar. It's not mine anymore. I give it to you, but give me your grace. You have to tell him that, give me your grace and give me your peace. And no longer shall any weapon against me have any power. I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for these that are here and for those who still stayed seated in the pew but wanted to come up, release them from this burden of guilt, set your people free, deliver them, and let them know that the Holy Spirit abides in them proving that you're a child of God and that every day they're going to become stronger and stronger and stronger. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. And the church said, good night, church. I love you.